Peace and blessings, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Priest, and this is Keys to the Kingdom Bible Study Group. Is anyone on the line? I'm not able to see who's on the line today. So as a result, I'm just going to... uh, Go ahead and start, and uh, hopefully someone will come on the line. If not, I will still do my due diligence. I want to talk about something that Minister Lynn and I were discussing maybe two weeks ago something of that nature. The living God. The living God. Why is this terminology used in Scripture? Why do we use this specific terminology amongst the truth seekers, the truth walkers, the true Hebrews? Those who are the true followers of the Christ, the Messiah or Mashiach, why do we use this terminology, the living God? The living God is a differentiation in in terms of interpretation of the true almighty versus false and idle gods. Now, when you sit back and just think about that and that alone, that seems pretty simple to comprehend. But I I will use terminology uh, words to the best of my ability to help you to comprehend exactly what this is about. So if some of my words or some of my terminologies are foreign to you, please don't let that alarm you. If you think you've got everything uh, figured out and you know everything there is to know about is about scripture, about who you are, uh, said black man and black woman, Latinos, Native Americans, West Indians, particularly particular Western Spanish-speaking people, Haitians, Native Americans. If you think that you have it all figured out, then this is not for you. But, as with a great number of things that originate from this nation and from this body of people of whom I represent, a lot of people come and take things from us, steal things from us, don't acknowledge us whatsoever. They don't dare do that.
Why they won't do that, there are various reasons. But, we'll just leave it at that. Is there anyone else on the line? To understand the terms the living God and the and the terminology being used and why the Hebrews used it, let me just say this. In the English language, we do not use the term God as a Hebrew in referring to the Almighty in private practice. We do use it in public practice so that others will understand and comprehend or get a general comprehension of who and what we are speaking of. Just as we use the term Jesus, so that those who are familiar with that term will be able to have some type of comprehension of what we're talking about. But in our private use, we use his true name. The true Jesus, we would have known him uh, we know of him as um, the name Yeshua or, or various derivatives of such a name. There are different pronunciations and different dialects of Hebrew. Um, Yeshua um, and various other, you know, pronunciations. Still yet, we uh, use, in our private use, specific terms that make it so that we know our Creator knows exactly who and what we're speaking of. You can use alternative terms, incorrect terms and names, and then you end up speaking to devilish, demonic, wicked spirit, and you don't even know that you're doing that. <clears throat> All right. When I'm referring to the living God, and as it is translated into the English language, the living God, there's a differentiation here that is being that stands out. Is there anyone else on the line? There's a differentiation here that stands out for a reason. Now let me take you into a little bit of history so that you will understand that reason. There was one group of people on the earth who were the aboriginals of the earth, dark-skinned, wool-haired peoples. Before they were known as anything else, before they, they were known as any names or following any um, way of life or say religion that's been given a name, they were the original inhabitants of the earth. In scriptures, although there are historians and others who will doubt this, 
the scriptures are talking about the first beings to walk the earth as well as the first civilization on the earth. Okay? The first civilization on the earth and the first being to walk the earth. This is quite different than what you may be used to, but the earliest civilization that has been found in history is the Mesopotamian Empire. Mesopotamia is the first civilization on the earth and it is what the scriptures are talking about in whom those peoples are that the scriptures are talking about. So do not be confused when you hear that Egypt predates the scriptures and what have you and you hear the, the commandments were stolen from the uh, the the laws of Mayat. Don't be confused by that. Um, that's a different timeline, different perspective, and it's not true. They weren't they weren't stolen. Um, these are some of the same people. So let me just add that. So that you can, you know, gather that. Well, what happened during this time is that this particular people that are written of in scriptures, this particular people that wrote these scriptures, are the people who were the original inhabitants of the earth. One moment. <clears throat> the original inhabitants of the earth, Mr. Cedric, I don't know how I got that message from you, but I did. Um, oh, yeah, I do know that. I'm, I'm not supposed to get any messages, but I did, so um, give me a moment. Uh, hopefully I can get through. Uh, maybe I can't because I'm on the phone, but please be patient. I'm not. I'm not sure if I can access anyone, but we'll see. So the original inhabitants of the earth, before they were known by any name, any religions and all this, these were, let's say they were more of a primitive people. I don't mean a savage people. Don't get, 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 don't get it twisted. That's not what I mean. But they were a primitive people. There's no other way to say it. 
And there were centuries that had gone by of development of the said man and woman. Centuries had gone by in development of civilization. In developing civilization, God realization came into play. With God realization, came the development of of arts and crafts and sciences. And understanding and comprehending advanced arts sciences we began with writing systems. With these writing systems, with these writing systems, I'm caught. Brother, can you, one moment. Brother, can you hear, brother, can you hear me? Hold on, hold on, brother Shedrick. Are brother you there? Shedrick, are you Mr. Shedrick, Minister Shedrick? Yes, I'm here, brother. I think you're echoing. Though, can you hear me? I can hear. I you. can hear you. I am echoing. I am echoing. Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to try to I'm get off. Try to get off of here. Maybe. Can you still hear me, brother? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, great. So, as we began the development, we began writing systems. And we became knowledgeable of a greater being than ourselves as we knew God, so to speak. I'm using common language so that you can comprehend. And as we knew God, we we began to know the real, true, living creator. And we would see the living creator, the living God, in everything that was around us. And we gave credit to everything in nature as that being one creation with the Almighty. Uh, brother Shedrick, can you hear me? Yes, sir, I can hear you, brother. And you're not echoing this time, so that's good. Yeah, okay, great. Um, can you still hear me? Sir? Hello? 
Okay. Yes. I what are your it. thoughts, brother? What are your wow. thoughts? Sir? Um, yes, sir. Um, so when I was listening to you, um, when I first came on, you were talking about uh, the living God. And um, it's funny, brother, because uh, several weeks ago, and even to this day, um, I put a, I guess you can say, a, a quote at the end of my text messages. And it's a quote that I pretty much bought from you, brother, uh, that you said numerous, numerous times. Uh, nature and natural law uh, is God in the flesh. And I think, or it appears, um, when you start talking about um, civilizations and when you start learning uh, art and science and um, mathematics or, uh, or art, science, and uh, uh, all these other different, I guess you could say, social scientists or what have you, they start developing these uh, written languages. Um, I think it's important for us to understand what was also, like you said, what was also going on around them. What were they seeing? What were they understanding about what it was that they were seeing? Um, and how were they relating that to themselves? And that is another thing that seems to uh, be, I guess you could say, it appears what's wrong with the society is that we become so attached with the things around us. We become so attached with what we're calling technology. Not that it's bad, but it's, we become so attached, detached from reality that we don't know how uh, to use something that what they're calling technology today, whether it, whether it be smartphones, uh, telephone, uh, uh, telephones, computers, so on and so forth. Um, we don't realize that these smartphones are only just, you know, uh, I like to say they're a carbon copy of what the ancestors were already doing. They just put, you know, electricity inside of a plastic box. Um, but nonetheless, I think it's innovative for what it is. Aside from that, you know, when you're looking at where this technology comes from and how, uh, again, relating it back to us, I mean, this technology is nothing short of the things that you can see in nature when it comes to fire and water, air, uh, earth, and um, these uh, elements. As a matter of fact, these elements, as it is written in the Law Dictionary, are the means of which God is to actually act through. And the way they have it actually listed in the dictionary is um, they call it the forces of nature. They call those elements forces of nature. They have it written in uh, the dictionary, well, the, the law dictionary by Henry Campbell Black is listed as the elements are the means to which God acts and damages by the elements means the same thing as damage by the act of God. So when we talk about the living God, what 
we have to take an account of what we have been conditioned to understand as what they're calling the living God, a.k.a. Jesus, or a.k.a. Toss, or a.k.a. Horus, or Hercules, or whatever other Greco-Roman god you can muster up, as opposed to what were the ancient uh, the ancient ancestors, what were they actually observing, and then they came to the conclusion of God consciousness. What were they observing that uh, uh, made them arrive to that point? And by the grace of God, that consciousness of those ancestors were being preserved by the various government that we have here on earth today. And, you know, I, I thank God for you, brother, for being able to pass this information on to us to be to allow us to be able to see not just what they're doing in the uh royal houses or, you know, uh monarchy or uh, democracy, but how these governments, these individual governments or these different types of polities, how they relate back to nature, how they relate back to our individual families, how they relate back to our own body. And with all these um, all these different elements within those governments, they, they come from some form of natural law. And when we be when we begin to understand that and study that, we can be able to quote unquote move mountains, or we can be able to um, we can be able to um, understand why we are in the situation when it comes to debtor uh, creditor situations, or um, why you know the young die young when they disrespect their parents or when they're not uh, aware of principles regarding how to navigate this world as an adult. I mean, it's no different than, you know, a plant being on the side of a cemented road where there's a lot of traffic. Eventually, if it gets ran over, it's going to die. It's not, if it doesn't have anybody to take it out of the ground and plant it somewhere else, or if it's in a place where there's just too much traffic and there's no one to care for it, it's going to get crampled on these are the things that we have to, you know, take into account when we talk about uh, what our ancestors were dealing with in terms of God and God consciousness and how it relates to nature and natural law, where we are today, and, you know, um, trying to get back in touch with that quote-unquote God consciousness. And the only way we can get there is by observing what our ancestors observed, and that is ourselves in conjunction with nature. And with that, brother, I yield. Praise the Lord. That was very well put, brother. Very well put. Man. Yeah, so in the beginning, there was only one group of people on this earth who had really put time into the realization of who and what they are 
and what their relationship to this planet, this universe, and to the creator of all actually was. There were people that actually put time into this, and they arrived at God realization. Okay? They became conscious of their relationship and their oneness Almighty Creator. They became conscious that the God, so to speak, the Creator of all, was in them and in everything around them. Brother, do you have the scriptures near you? Brother Shedrick, are you there? Yes, sir, I'm there. Can you hear me? Oh, yes, sir, I can hear you. I'm sorry. I was on mute. Yes, I have the scripture, sir. Um, the Ten Commandments, uh, Exodus, what is it, Exodus 20? Um, can you... Can you read the part about thou shalt have no other gods before me? For those who are listening, please be attentive. Please bear with us. Um, Some things uh, came up that were unexpected, but we're still going forward. Okay. Uh, Exodus 20. Uh, verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, which have brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other God before me. Brother, would you like to read, me to read for Yes, sir, please. Verse 4. You shall not make unto me any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down yourself to it nor serve it, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous one, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold you guilty that taketh his name in vain. Now, we've heard this thousands of times in church. That, that's that's enough there, brother, because they hit the point. Um, we've right. heard this thousands of times in church. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Can you hear me, brother? Okay. Yes, we've heard this thousands and thousands of times in church, right? So what, let me just point out a few things that, that are differentiating the living and the true almighty creator versus everything else. Thou shalt not 
have any graven images. No graven images. Nothing from the heavens above or the seas below. We should have no pictures, no depictions of made out of wood or stone or made out of anything at all that show an image that we call God. Is that clear, Minister Shedrick? Is that clear? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, so if you have an image, I know that some of you see a Jesus image and you worship it as God. According to the scriptures, that is wrong. So, a picture, a statue, has no life. It does not live. So, the living God, creator of all, gives breath and life to all. So this is a real, true, almighty creator that can create the heavens and the earth and the sea. a real creator that controls natural law and nature itself and them in combination operating in a divine feminine and divine masculine form twin souls are the almighty living God this is why it says let us so if you're looking at the Almighty as just the masculine part, portion, you're missing the point. If you're looking at the Almighty as just the feminine portion, you're missing the point. The us, the male and female divine aspects, are what procreates. So the us, when I'm saying this, I mean man and woman, we procreate. So if we're made in the Almighty's image and there's us, there's more than one that's creating us in that image, although the male aspect, according to scriptures, comes forward first, we should never, ever negate the divine feminine aspect. Now, I know that's heavy, if you come from a church background, I know that's heavy. But in order to procreate, we need a divine feminine and a divine masculine aspect together. They must come together at some point, whether it be seed and egg, inside of the womb of woman, man and woman physically coming together or even seed and egg in a test tube, as they would say, test tube baby. But there is a divine feminine and a divine masculine aspect that must come together 
in order to procreate. Even if you're looking at and you believe in immaculate conception, <coughs> remember the Holy Spirit, divine masculine, was present. I won't go into that. So I want you to think the wrong thing. Is that making sense, Shedrick, what I'm trying to say here? Yes, sir. <coughs> Perfect what you're trying to say. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts, sir? I was I was sitting here while you were uh while you were um, <coughs> having the discussion about the divine uh gender roles as it pertains to nature. And um I was also uh, thinking about what I was discussing earlier about the living God in conjunction with nature and natural law itself. And um, I, while you were, um, while you were talking, I was thinking about the book of Job. And there was a part in the book of Job, um, well, there were several parts in the book of Job where, um, of course, he was being, you know, uh, reprimanded by his peers. You know, being that he was a judge, they felt like he kind of took his office, you know, um, as a joke. He perverted his office. It felt like he wasn't doing enough. It felt like he did too much. He perverted the law. And he was, you know, get, trying to get them to understand that his, you know, his flaws did not come because he was a judge. You know, he's doing what he is supposed to do to fulfill his office. And, and, and sometimes you got to, you have to, you know, reprimand the bad with the good. But that's a whole other different discussion. There's a part in the book of Job where he is having, where he's communing with, um, with uh, the Creator. He's communing with God, and God sets him straight. And um, there are several verses in the book of uh, the 38th book. Uh, chapter 38, all the way from 1 to 41, where uh, the Most High is asking Job, you know, who is this that darkens his counsel by words without knowledge? You know, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Can you tell me the understanding of it? You know, who laid the measurements of it? If you know it, can you, you know, who has stretched the line upon it? Where are the foundations of it? Who laid the cornerstone? You know, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, and who shut up the seeds of the doors when they break forth as if had, you know, issues out of the womb? You know, you know, has you commanded the morning since your days and caused the day spring to know his place? It is, you know, uh, these are, if you notice anything about that particular verse, all of those or those particular verses, all of those verses have something to do with nature. We even mentioned the Maseroth. Won't go into it here, but Maseroth is even mentioned. And the stars, Orion and Pleiades and several other different stars are actually mentioned as well. So you have to wonder, like, well, what's going on where he's having this conversation with uh, the creator. And the creator is asking him about the earth and asking him about these different elements in nature. If you want to 
if you can tell me how to do my job, do you have to tell me how I did my job? And I think that was technically, you know, what Job uh, was trying to get people to understand. You know, you want to try to accuse me of not doing my job, but in order for you to tell me about how and why I'm not doing my job, you got to tell me how my job is actually or how my job is to be done, because the only person that can tell me how to do my job is the law. The law is what put me here to judge and and preside over the people in the first place. But that's uh, a a separate discussion of its own. We're talking about the discussion about the living God and what it means in in contradistinction to what we have been convinced is God, we have to look at what is going on, not just in the book of Job, but what has been going on in all the various other different books with either the king, either uh, the prophet, either the priest, what was going on with them as they have been, you know, carrying on their day-to-day operations within their offices. What were they doing? Um, I was listening to an old blog talk you did the other day, actually just yesterday, and this was uh, dealing with the title or the name of God. And you asked, well, what is the name of God? And you named all of the titles that are used God, like Yahweh, Yahuwah, and uh, Jehovah, but these all pertain to the title Lord, but it never said what his name was. <laughs> and this goes into the discussion about what we just read in regards to thou shalt be no other gods before me, thou shalt not make you know images of you wood and stone. Because I real and I said this on numerous occasions that man's ability to accept God is really only according to them being able to create him according to their own consciousness. Jesus has become the reflection of everyone's consciousness. He can he is who they want him to be. God is who people want them to be in their own mind. But then when you ask them, well what did the priests and the prophets and the kings and the nobles of the scriptures say he was? They don't know because they did not take the time to actually put themselves in the train of thought. They weren't observing what were these people doing. And, you know, for, you know, those who don't realize, as uh, minister priests have been preaching for a long time, these people in the scriptures, they weren't walking around with the Bible in their hands. They weren't walking around with, you know, the book of Ruth and the book of Ezekiel in their hand. even though in the later uh, books known as the New Testament, those books are mentioned. But these noble priests and prophets in the Old Testament, they were building the government. So these things had to become, I guess you could say, a working process. The laws and principles had to be discovered. It had to be written, which means they had to be lived. In order for them to be lived, they had to be observed. There had to be something for them to observe. Those things that they, or these principles that they were gathering 
together were coming from a source that was omnipresent, very ubiquitous. These things could have been seen in nature, observing the woman in her uh, female cycle, observing the woman in her uh, cycle as it pertains to pregnancy, observing the lunar calendar or the way that the sun and the moon operates around the earth, observing how plants uh, uh, grow and how they die, observing when the, you know, uh, I guess you can say when the fruit comes out of the ground, how to plant seeds, when to plant seeds, what seeds not to plant where, how to um, uh, breed animals. All of these things were very important to the understanding, to creating principles for these priests, prophets, and nobles to live by. These things were observed in nature. They were not observed by plastering a statue of Jesus or a statue of Horus or Toth or Kata or whoever it is that you worship now. And the reason why they were not observed from these lifeless things is because they are lifeless things. They have no soul. So there's nothing to study about a lifeless soul. If you look at the sun, the moon, the earth, the air, if, even though you can't see it, you can touch it, you can breathe it. You look at the animals, you look at the sky, all these things have one source. But they all, each of these sources have an essence that provide a function for all these individual things in nature. All of these things are attributed to something we call natural law. And this, if you pay attention, this is your living God. On that note, brother, I yield. Oh, my Lord, brother. All praises to the Most High Almighty. You just explained that so very well, brother. That was a blessing to hear. And anybody listening to this, you need to go back and listen to what this brother just shared because that was really extensive. Now, I know that some of you may not be familiar with these types, this type of expression and language when we're talking about scriptures and the Almighty, but you need to understand the truth about this. <clears throat> During the time that the law, statutes, and commandments, which are 613, not just 10, and although Brother just read from the said 10 commandments, there are 613. <clears throat> which, by the way, is greater than 142 and uh, is uh, more of a sum. Um, the 142, 144. So I, I'm saying this to say when you look at this and how ex the brother explained, we saw the creator in everything, in the plants, in the water. Not one thing. We didn't have a face 
for the creator. And making a face for the creator, albeit Jesus, is still wrong, according to scriptures. So Jesus was worshiping himself, <laughs> his, his image, his likeness, how he looked when he walked his earth, is not how he looked looks in these pictures and in these statues. Some pictures, if you go back old enough, do actually show a real depiction of the one who who has become known as Jesus. They do actually show him with dark skin and woolly hair, as it is written in the book of Revelation, the first chapter of Revelation. He had bronze, he had bronze skin as those burnt in the furnace, so he was dark complected. He had hair like wool. This would describe a man of Negroid stature, Negroid stock. Nonetheless, um, the living God is not a picture. It's not a statue. It's not an image, a painting. The real God operates through, the real creator operates through nature and natural law and controls them both for them together as one is the true almighty. There's not somebody sitting in the clouds literally on a throne of gold and of streets of milk and honey. That's that's a figurative, creative language depiction. That is not to be taken literally. So understand that these original inhabitants of the earth all grew to the realization, the true realization of who and what the creator, that which we refer to as God, actually is and what the creator is. The creator is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When I'm saying him, the reason why I am using the term him, we're talking about the divine masculine aspect of the Almighty, which is the authoritative figure in the relationship between the, the male and female side. Okay? This is the head. Now, some sisters may be offended by that. If you're offended by that, this is not for you. You know, just turn this off. It's not for you. No hard feelings, no love lost. Respect how you feel. Respect how we, what we've grown to know and what we've studied and what we've grant, been granted insight to speak on. Please respect it. And you can agree to disagree without the hate. We don't have to hate one another just because we don't agree. Okay, we don't have to mistreat one another just because we don't agree. My point is, when you go to school, now this is where I want to lead up to. When you go to school, you hear about Greco-Roman mythology. And you really only hear about Greco-Roman mythology. You hear about mythology in Greece, and you hear about mythology in Rome, and you hear about the combination of the two. You very rarely will hear about Egyptian or quote-unquote Egyptian, which is comedic mythology, which is the proper term. Um, but 
you don't really hear about the other stuff in detail. Well, there was Babylonian, there was Mesopotamian mythology. There was Sumerian mythology. Abraham was, was from Sumer, and he, he lived there, and there was Sumerian mythology. Some of you have read the, the, the epic of Gilgamesh, and, you know, and then you say, oh, well, this predates the Bible. You, you don't understand. You don't understand. Oh, this story is the story of Noah in the epic of Gilgamesh, so that makes the story of Noah a fake or what have you. Because uh, there's this poem written or this story written that in your mind predates the scriptures. I won't argue that point today. Just Let's just understand that it does not predate it. Like, look, you don't understand that these are the same people that wrote this, that wrote the Bible. Okay, look, do any of you have relatives that are rappers or entertainers? Okay, they've been in movies, they've written raps. That doesn't reflect what you have grown to know of as truth and which you as an individual follow in your life. And just because you read, you, you might be a Christian. You might believe in the Bible. Or you might be a Muslim. You might believe in the Quran. But just because they write something that comes from the same origin, but they write it with their own spin on it, and they don't necessarily believe it the same way you do, doesn't make the origin of the story false. Does that make sense, Shedrick? <laughs> yes, sir. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. I can hear you. Yes, sir. Yeah, I said it makes okay. a lot of sense, brother. Great. The point of this is when you're reading the scriptures, you're reading one group of people's writings who were advanced in God realization, who knew the real living God. When you read the scriptures versus what others who they're related to now, they're the same blood, same relations who went off into fantasy worship and making up stories and all types of things about the true almighty. So when you learn about Sumerian, Mesopotamian, Babylonian, Egyptian or Kemetic and Greco-Roman mythologies, what you have to understand is that those who were the writers of the, the origin of these scriptures understood that some of their very own people had given in to that type of thinking of mythological gods and deifying themselves. And they, and they wrote about it. They wrote about all these different mythologies, but they did not call them what you call them today. They didn't call them Greek mythology. They didn't call them Egyptian mythology. They called it idolatry. 
So when you're reading the scriptures and you read the term idolatry, what you're looking at is what our is our description and depiction of the state of mind of some of our own people and the people outside of us that were on this earth that had started to invent gods. So because we knew that our people were interacting with some of these folks and our people had given into that kind of thinking, we had to differentiate the idol gods from the real living God. What do you got, brother? Man, um, <laughs> you know, one, when you were talking about um, uh, when you were speaking about people not understanding um, how to understand the difference between um, believing in something and um, say idolizing something just because, or how should I say it? When you were speaking about the different accounts based on uh, something that happened in history and people believing in one over the other, um, and I spoke and I said, I made a statement about this years ago because I'd seen something like this um, discussed on social media several different times about how this account is wrong or the Quran is wrong, the Bible is wrong, you know, the Gilgamesh, you know, um, this and the other is wrong. And then I was just thinking that, well, you know, the interesting thing about the hail is that they seem to come from uh, different nations of people who come from a common origin. Could it just be that these nations of people were pre-exposed to uh, a event, and they told the event in their own way? In their own way. I'm sorry. Now, that's where the idolatry comes in. Because of course, everybody's going to either spruce up the tail and tell a. Uh, uh, have true and a lot of lies, or they're going to try to keep account of what actually happened for the preservation um, of the generations to come. Pay attention to how the scriptures are set up. All of what people consider to be as stories are set up in a way to educate the generation that's coming in about what happened to the generation before. It's no different than, you know, some grandmother writing out a recipe for how to make a cake so that when the new generation comes in, they can understand how this cake is made. It's a preserving of old family tradition. Um, some people may want to add a little bit to the ingredients or so to kind of spruce up the taste because they feel like it may taste a little bit bland after several different generations. But nonetheless, you have the original recipe. You have the original ingredients. The original ingredients are a testament for what was actually put into the cake, what was actually put into the dish so that when it is made by the generations after, it can, you know, it can 
be made to the perfection of the recipe. With the preservation of the understanding of what happened to these generations before, some nations thought to themselves that if, you know, they spruce up the tails a little bit, it makes it sound a little bit more convincing to the people who are a part of that nation or to anybody that's not, you know, or anyone that's foreign to them. Whatever the case may be, there's an understanding amongst all of these different nations about an event that actually happened, but somewhere in between telling the truth, there's a lie being told. But there's still the presence of the truth there because everybody attests to an event happening. Some people are better record keepers than others. This so happens that when you're reading the scriptures, you're getting an abridgment, and it tells you in certain books that the story or the book or the history um, of uh, the Israelites in certain generations had been abridged so that they can keep a, uh, I guess you could say, a um, uh, keep everything condensed but get straight to the point because we want to know what actually happened to these people without, you know, going into too much detail or we want to get straight to the point where there is not much detail afforded to the person. I think when it, or it appears that some people's disbelief comes from or comes towards the Bible when you look at the beginning of the book and it's like, okay, well, there's obviously had to be more, you know, more uh, men and women on the earth in order for us to populate the way that we did. But because they are not reading to understand, not even themselves and the current reality that they're in, how could you know possibly what happened back then? If you don't even know exactly how to how to preserve yourself now, you know nothing about how these people preserved themselves before. And believe it or not, after uh, taking the understanding that the minister gave to us and try to apply it, you can start to see that there were civilizations before the first, or what we consider to be the first. But in order for you to understand that, you have to be uh, prepared to understand what is going on now and the patterns that have been put forth for, for us now, see what has happened before and what's going to happen afterwards. You know, just think of the Bible as one big old recipe. Um, we just have to learn how, you know, the ancestors ate this stuff. And how they, how would they eat preserved? Because we're becoming too, uh, we're coming, we're becoming too detached from reality where we can't. We jump from one quote unquote innovation to the next without understanding any of these different things, uh, any of the Quran, any of the scripture, any of the Catholic book or the Talmud. You have to understand these things, and more so, you have to understand yourself and the elements around you. Those things are important as well. On that note, brother, I yield. Brother, man, that was beautiful. 
you know, exactly how the brother is saying, before you even understand something, somebody can come amongst you and say anything. Oh, don't don't necessarily believe the Bible. Why not? Because stuff was written in Egypt or wherever before the Bible. Oh, okay. So don't believe in the Bible. Don't study it to know it before you decide whether to believe it or not. Just don't believe in it. Come over here. Come study this other thing. Don't listen to that stuff. Well, you can do that both ways with either or or with anything that that is going on on the earth. But the point is, don't disregard something without proper properly studying it. And then everywhere you turn out there that seems to be the proper studying place for you leaves you with things that are unanswered. The point to this is there's a different state of mind from those who actually comprehend the true living God being within you and all of life itself. This is a living God, a living creator that continues to show the, the almighty power by continuing to bring life. We we live in a in a universe and in a solar system. Understand this. That we only know of us on this planet as being living beings. We don't and and we're only in what is it the arm of Orion in the solar system I think we're in the arm of Orion we're in one arm of a solar system in a universe. <clears throat> now listen, if there are other arms in the solar system, and you don't know what's in the neighboring arms of this solar system, on the left or right, to you. And the only thing that know that you know of that exists as life is life on this earth, be it animals or said human beings, insects, so on and so forth. But an almighty creator sees all of this. And although you live and you die and you transform or what you call dying, you transform from one state to another, one stage to another, one form to another. You are a tiny speck in this vast universe of zillions of life forms, zillions of life forms. Let me read some scripture for you. Joshua chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of 
I know how to read these scriptures. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you. Behold that. The real, true understanding, comprehension, and knowledge of God, the Creator, the Almighty, was in and amongst one body of people that, as our brother was sharing, who had the original recipe and the original, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites, the Perizzites and the the Gergashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Drive out from amongst these people of ours those that were worshiping mythology. And mythology covers two things. The deifying self as a deity, turning self into a deity, and turning imaginary things into deities, such as statues, wood, paintings, so on and so forth. One last scripture. Hebrews 10, verse 34. Excuse me, beginning at verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But to call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great light, flight, fight, excuse me, of afflictions. Partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst companions of them that were so used. Now listen, let me explain what's going on here. This is Paul. He's looking at those who have been quote unquote enlightened or illuminated with the true knowledge of God who are fearful to be placed in the hands of the true and living God because when you really know the true living God, you know that fearful not in meaning respect, not a, a meant, not meaning fear or afraid, but to quote-unquote fear the Lord, but respect the Lord. And fearful in the form of, yes, I better do right by the Creator or I will be punished. <clears throat> so the Illuminati, as you're reading out of this, as you, if you're reading with us, the Illuminati 
understood, listen good, that Paul, that the one you know of as Jesus, and all the preceding prophets and kings and messengers, all the way back to the time of the prophet Adam, all had a universal understanding that brought light onto them, that illuminated them, and the evil, wicked force of nature, that which you refer to as Satan or the devil, which does appear in people, which does appear in the spirits of people, which does appear in groups of people, (laughs) definitely, by their state of mind, controlling their activities and their behaviors, have all been trying to counterfeit the true and living God so they came up with an Illuminati and says, which says, by the way, that their eyes are open, that they are awake, that they have become a God or they are a deity. So they feed to you that you can become a deity not ever explaining to you what the word God actually means. Why you should not use the term God in reference to a deity, the almighty creator, you should not use that term. But as I stated in the beginning, we do use the term in order to help you comprehend better. You can close us out, brother. Yes, sir. Um, Brothers and sisters, I know that it is new to be in a position to try to see something outside of what you have been conditioned to see. And that's in any aspect of life, whether you're going to college for the first time, when you were brought up in a place like, you know, the hood, where you learned how to, you know, live the hard knock, so many would call it the hard knock. When you go to college, it's a whole other different experience because you're learning something outside of, what it is that you're used to seeing there. You may see fighting all the time. You may see people gambling. You may see, you know, broken families and even broken dreams when you go to college. Then a whole nother different world because you have people who are there, you know, um, to educate you um, and to put you in a position to make you think. Now, granted, the system that we live in now is a money machine, so it makes college less attractive when you understand the money machine. Outside of the money machine, where you, I'm using college as a way to get us to understand how we come into understanding what we're talking about tonight. How does one come? living God and understanding that um, it is 
a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Even Job, when he was confronted by the living God, was fearful in the in the fact that he couldn't even answer the questions that were posed to him by the very sight of the living God. And what do I mean? By his own understanding of how nature came to be without him even being here. You weren't even a part of it. You didn't even have a say-so in it. So how can you tell the creator how to do his job? How can you stop the trees from growing when you don't even know how you don't even know how they come into existence outside of the sea? How do you stop the uh, clouds from forming when you can't even create the vapor itself? You don't even know where the vapors are coming from. You don't even know where the raindrops are coming from. These are the things that our ancestors were yearning to understand about our living creator so much that they studied these things um, so well that they were able to create what we know today as a form of jurisprudence, system of right and wrong based on what works and what doesn't work. And these are the things that we have to get back to, especially the quote-unquote North American Negro. You talk about being used to be kings and queens and gods of the earth and goddesses and all these other different things, but we don't want to study our ancestors and what it was that they were actually studying outside of idol god worship. We want to study the idol god worship because we think in there we will find our true self, when in all actuality you're going to only find death because the idols themselves don't even have life in them. So the only thing you can find in idol God were just is death. The only thing you can find in studying the idol gods that your ancestors were worshiping, you're going to find yourself in death. Why not study plants? Why not study the rotation of the sun? Why not observe a woman in her ability to conceive? Study the man and the woman together. Even though most of the nature of the man and the male and female relationship as it pertains to the North American Negro is not as solid, but you can learn so much just by the very nature of the uh, of the male and the ma- and the female because we are the prototype. We're Aboriginal. And so it is fitting for us to understand that nature is where we are because nature is where we come from. That is the only way we're going to find out how to get back our natural rights and our natural heritage. Our natural rights and heritage are written in the very thing that we consider to mold us. That is nature and natural law. But we keep giving and applying these things to a figurative of our imagination called Jesus Christ. And I realized that that entity is put there not so much as a stumbling block, but as a punishment for even the idol God worshippers. 
Because even within their idol gods, there still is a form of punishment, no different than when a person who is what you consider to be homosexual or trans or what have you, people will say they're going to be cursed. But if you read in the book of Genesis, when, when you look at what happened between Adam and Eve, even in their very act of transgression, they were cursed. Look at the idols and the images that we take on. That is a curse within itself. You are living out your curse. Only way we can break outside of those curses by understanding the principles that are going to give us life. Look at the ants. They live and they don't have uh, uh, strong legs or strong back like us, but they, they gather the food that they need and take it to the queen, and they live just perfectly fine. And, and in fact, they work together. The birds, they fly together. The birds, you know, they see they're young, and when they're old enough, they let them fly away. All these things observe the nature. These are the things that are going to help us understand who we are and how we can get back to what we have to understand as God consciousness so that we can be created in God's image again. And on that note, brother, I yield the floor to you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The one that you've been thinking of is that picture of Jesus is not Jesus. It is Serapis Christus. It is not. And we have the audio recording. I did a podcast on it of the Catholic Church praying and acknowledging that it was Serapis Christus. And they acknowledged that they were worshiping Lucifer at a Christ mass, at a mass in front of the whole world. They acknowledged that they worshiped. They sang Lucifer. They had the, the, the Pope had the guy sing the name Lucifer and say Serapis Christus, Christus. It's a whole other story. But since I'm back at headquarters, I can see um, a couple of people online. Um, a prayers and love goes out to Robert Ben Israel and his loved ones and relatives as they recently had a passing in the family. And uh, Brother Robert's mother recently passed. Please keep him in your prayers and positive energy. So I see we have Brother Justin here. Brother Justin, are you there, sir? Salam. Salam, brother. Uh, what's on your mind, sir? Um, uh, brother, uh, this was a um, this is a great podcast right here. Uh, brother Cedric, uh, thank you for the information. All praises to the Most High. Uh, Brother Priest, of course, thank you. Um, You had asked me a couple weeks ago who was the, or a few weeks ago, who was the living God, and um, it was, we had this conversation, and we're speaking the language of law. And since then, I've actually been 
shall um, I say, studying um, and more depth nature and natural law, trying to get a, a, a understanding of nature and natural law. And uh, I just want to say, Brother Cedric, you did a great way of explaining that for me. Uh, I definitely took notes on that. I definitely took notes on that. You did a, a great job of explaining that. So I, I want to thank you for that. Um, and I, I mean, I'm, I mean, I mean, everything was just explained very well um, and to the point. I mean, I really, um, all that I can say is that you know we must continue to study as a people. Um, we must continue to to uh, research things out and reason, um, and, and and come to the understanding of who the true living God is. Um, I mean, once you hear you all break it down, um, you know, you broke the esoterics down to such a simple. Uh, it was just simple. It's just very simple. It's in layman's terms. Um, if you take what you all said today and break that down and compare that to any sciences, um, as you know, I've been studying uh, probably uh, since 2012. And so uh, when it comes to any type of isms or Buddhism or Christianity or Catholicism, comedic uh, sciences or these Egyptologists, uh, the Near East mythological creation stories, uh, you don't get this anywhere. You don't get a living God anywhere. Uh, no one is speaking of the living God. And so when you actually just listen to this or listen to what you all said and how you all broke down nature and natural law, you look at that and you look at all these other different religions or all these other different so-called truths, um, you will see that there is no life there. You will see that there is there's, there's no sort of life there. And uh, to me, that is an indication of truth. To me, that is an indication that uh, this is accepted worldwide because you can look worldwide and see nature and natural law. And if it's an oxum, if it's accepted worldwide, it's the truth. Uh, and this is, this, is, this is the only truth that I see. This is the only truth that I read. This is the only truth that has brought me to true God realization. This is the only truth that actually gives me peace day in and day out. Uh, and keeps me in the same type of energy and the same positivity uh, that I am. And I'm in a, uh, a pretty rough situation. So, uh, I mean, with that, brother, I, 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 I yield, and I just want to uh, give all praises to the Most High, and I just want to thank you, brothers, again, for just explaining this and, and passing this on by word of mouth. Just thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Much love to you, dear brother. And um, I want to thank my teachers, the elders of the Order of Melchizedek, who traveled throughout North America in particular, but through the ghettos of this country, and they went all over the country looking to re-educate and resurrect these dry bones. And I knew when I was listening to them and studying with them and taking notes day in and day out, eight to ten hours a day, I would sit up under their tutelage for years. And I loved every moment of it. And I knew I was hearing the ancient knowledge of the true and living God. And I knew that this was God Almighty, the true living creator speaking through them. Because they cut through doctrine. They they cut doctrine. 
as we know it. They cut religion. They respected it. They respect people's right to deal and believe in what they believe in. But they had a mission which they lived and carried through the slave times. The same information, the same people were teaching this same truth in America. But it was given to us in this nation to preserve the thinking. So these elders said, we're not here to teach you the Bible. We're here to teach you how to read it. That's different than anything I've heard in my life. That's why we don't hear get into arguments and debates. What is what is the point of trying to debate truth? <laughs> that is ridiculous. The, the, so so you got in your mind, you have in your mind that you have to debate truth in order to reach truth, find truth, to represent truth. No. You have to live it. And it's universal. It's not racist. Oh, maybe in the sense of it's discriminatory towards those who don't believe in it. <laughs> so you can you don't have to believe in truth. It's not superior superiority complexes. It's not. That's why the scriptures have an image of, of the heavens above or the seas below. Don't have an image of anything or anyone that is is being referred to as a deity or being worshipped as a deity. So I don't care if you have a quote-unquote white Jesus or a black Jesus. Yeah, he was a quote-unquote Negro man. But he is not to be worshipped as the Most High Almighty. He's not to be worshipped. So, so yes, the image, his true image, destroys the falsehoods and the lies, but be careful how you use these images. I see Brother Nathaniel's on the line. Brother, are you there? Hey, yes, brother, I'm here. Am I hurt? Yes, sir. What's on your mind, sir? Uh, well, salam, brothers and sisters on the line. Uh, great call today. Uh, I, I joined a little bit late, around 30 minutes after, excuse my uh, tardiness, but it's a it's a profound topic, you know the um, the way of the living God, um, you know. In my studies, I've come to find out that you know um, over you know these thousands of years, these these Aboriginal men, uh, princes, kings scribes, um, we are the actual inventors of everything. Um, It doesn't matter whether you're talking about Mesopotamia, if you're talking about later in um, the, uh, the length of time, if you go to like the, uh, the French government or the, uh, the English governments, 
the is the aboriginals who gave life to these things and as you spoke about deities and deifying men and deifying um theory um you know i was just wondering like uh how does that happen you know how do how do we go from uh, a level of creation um to creating these deities and then ultimately serving them um and become an idol to them um and uh from that point it kind of made me think about um you know this social media stance that everyone's taking um these different camps uh how they're arguing take over the name of the most high as we spoke about earlier um you know there's division uh amongst the name and uh you know just to reference the uh that brother Cedric did you know um uh, they're taking the Lord's name in vain, um, which priest you spoke on that podcast about that was a uh, that was a, a punishable offense by death, you know, um, to do that to bring that type of animosity into the nation. Um, so you know, a scripture came to my mind. Um, it's Proverbs twenty one and sixteen. And I'll read it if I can. It says, uh, the man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. And for me, you know, that hits home with this whole conversation because our people have wandered out of the way of understanding, understanding that all things are connected, um, that the the universe, so to speak, is um, a culmination of energy and uh, which we, we would refer to in our um, lack of understanding as God or try to put a title or a name to that um, entity. Uh, and because of that, you know, we wandered out of the way. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what civilization you go back to, um, as you spoke earlier, brother, uh you have the you have the elect who established these civilizations and I believe and from my understanding is that the creation of these these gods, so to speak, were to civilized the uncivilized those who had wandered out of the way um and it all it ultimately led to um entire the entire civilization falling um so it's like uh for me that scripture kind of hits home with this conversation um you know um to be to even like even if you go on youtube and you listen to the conversations that people are having and I know priests, you don't usually, you don't, uh, you don't deal with that anymore. You know what I mean? Not that you ever did, but uh, it's just uh, our people are lost in the congregation of the dead. You know, uh, like you said, you can't argue truth um, because truth is actually unarguable. 
if that's even a word, uh, you know. Um, and the proper way to gain understanding is to understand that um, a theocratical approach towards governance of our people is the only way to go about it, um, you know. And I'm just thankful to be back with the nation, to be hearing this message again. Um, it shines a lot of light upon, you know, some of the mistakes I've made in the past, you know, as well. Um, and it and it gives me a whole lot of hope for the future because, you know, as I listen to the brothers on the line speak, you know, we uh, there's definitely understanding on the line. Um, and the way that this nation is moving about, um, you know, we're, we're communing with the one and true living God, you know, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know. Uh, so with that being said, brother, I'll you. Praise the Lord. You know what? I want to answer the question you put forth and address a few other things. You know, where there is, where there is a presence of civilization, yeah, you give a wicked mind gives an idle God to keep a society, to a society or an underdeveloped people or persons for the point of keeping that society from a total anarchy. <laughs> if they want to control and enslave a people, they give an, an idol God to them to serve as a pastime, as forms of entertainment. Because when you grow from, you you know, when we're young, um, at least I can speak for myself, but in the younger time, we had toys. See, I grew up with Star Wars and Spider-Man, Super Friends, Justice League, you know. Um, so you get these toys, right? And you use your childlike imagination to create and invent stories, storylines, <laughs> uh, wars, and what have you, we used to buy those 99 cent packs of army men and we'd go in the backyard, me and our friends in the backyard when I'm eight, nine, ten years old, we'd build castles. We'd build just like the same game of Thrones. We were doing this in the sand, in the dirt, excuse me, in our backyards. So we would go and find a place. One of my friends had a place where it was next to his mother's garden that she allowed us to go and build our castles and fight our wars. This is this is as an eight year old, nine year old, ten year old. Okay. There's a creative aspect of man that is man and woman when I say man. That is necessary. That is a gift from the Almighty. That is a part of us. That when we grow into said adulthood, it usually gets turned off and not used because, except for your entertainers, of course, but if you're the average commoner, you're going to work every day, and that 
creativity is turned off in you or you don't access it, but it's still there. So in order to feed it, to keep you in a childlike state of mind and to control you, you have to have an adult toy, if that makes sense, (laughs) or adult toys. Don't get your mind in the gutter, (laughs) those listening. So they give you adult toys so that you can be as creative as you want to with your imaginary God. Now, why does this happen? Because the essential state core of the the being that is known as man and woman is that we notice something created us. We notice something is higher than us and greater than us. And we want to figure out who am I, where did I come from, why am I here? We want to figure that out. And we know that something took place we just instinctively notice. And so we go in search of those answers from the time that we are babies to the time that we die in the cradle, We, I mean, to the cradle to the grave. We go in search of God, so to speak. Even those who don't believe in a creator are in search of answers that go back to a God-like origin. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Forgive my voice, you all. My voice goes in and out. I'm still healing. <clears throat> so, because we have that, we are naturally, by nature, codependent beings. We need something outside of us to give us answers or give us the way to find the answers. This is natural. Now, a wicked state of mind knowing this knows that they can manipulate and gain worldly riches and wealth by coming in between you and that. So the Most High Almighty has preserved messengers and noblemen and prophets to preserve this message so that you can recognize those that are trying to come between you and your real living God. And the truth is All religions, all of them, are idol God worship and mythology. Anything that does not civilize you to be an outstanding, upright, individual living soul, spreading truth, knowledge, love, and respect to all, is idolatry. Anything that promotes your vile, savage behavior 
hip hop music. I love hip hop. Yes, I'm almost fifty years old. I still love hip hop music. Content is straight garbage, trash for bottom feeders and savage beasts. They promote misogyny. They promote fornication. They promote adultery. They promote prostitution. They promote drug abuse. Lil Wayne talking about the drugs he uses and him drinking, what is it, lean or what? I I don't know. Him drinking lean and taking uh, uh, snorting cocaine. I've heard these on the records. Uh, Truffle butter. If you haven't heard that, go read the lyrics to Truffle Butter. Nicki Minaj, Lil Wayne. Go go look at what Lil Wayne says. Um, Rick Ross, as I've said countless numbers of times, whip and work, hallelujah. I think on Big Meech, Larry Hoover, whip and work, hallelujah. So everything that is in the forefront of hip-hop is all of the things that are vile, wicked, and disgusting. Now, not not all hip-hop is like that, but the stuff that's out in the front, Cardi B, she just seems like she has a really sweet spirit. That isn't me thinking this. But the things that come out of her mouth and what she represents is harlotry. And she's producing... Harlots and sluts and prostitutes that follow her image, that follow her words. So how do we get away from this and get it? How do we get away from the truth and get into this? Because there's something in us that needs answers. <clears throat> something in us that searches for identity, that searches for image and likeness. Every one of us walking on this earth comes on this planet searching for image and likeness to mold ourselves after or allow ourselves to be molded after. It's just when we're younger and we don't know any better, we our, our minds are easily molded in the wrong way. Now, when you live in a ghetto and you don't see answers coming from your church or from any religion, and the only answers you can find are in a basketball, a football, a baseball, or in drugs and prostitution and gangbanging. These are the only options. You're going to mold and model yourself after those idols. Those people that you have turned into idols, those people that you idolize, and the behaviors that they tell you about and what you should be doing in order to be a successful pimp, a successful game banger, a successful whore, those are the things that you will model yourself after. Those are the things that you will try to mold yourself to fit into that image and that likeness. And the more you try to get answers from these religions, the more it it doesn't save you from that pit of hell, that living hell, or that decision-making you're making to go into prostitution uh, and drug abuse, so on and so forth. 
the things don't say now, now I'm not saying a hundred percent across the board, but most of the time the church is not saving you. The religions are not saving you. And this is why. This is the origin. You come here with these things built in you. And there was one group of people that preserved this and recorded this on record and understood the difference in the state of mind. They understood that these minds can be swayed and these behaviors can be swayed. So they wrote it in creative language and in a high scientific language to keep this out of the hands of the mischief makers. So what you see is you see mischief makers and idolaters doing two things, interpreting and reinterpreting and reinterpreting and reinterpreting the religions and the Bibles and the scriptures or attacking that. And in attacking that, they deify themselves. There are preachers who really want you to believe that they're God. There are prophets that really want, are so-called preachers and so-called prophets that really want you to believe that they're gods. So they want you to worship them as gods. They just don't call themselves a god. Not like that. Some of them will call themselves the reincarnation of an ancient prophet. What's the difference in, the difference in Shirley MacLaine uh, channeling Ramtha or whatever that ancient so-called God is, and these Negroes talking about they're the reincarnation. How many reincarnations of David and Moses are there going to be? They don't even understand reincarnation. Everybody can't be, it, it, everybody can't be David and Moses and King Tut and whatever. You all get, get the picture. I hope, hopefully you do. I just wanted to address that. We're way over time. We normally only do one hour, but I'm so very thankful. Uh, Minister Cedric did a wonderful, amazing job and excellent, excellent explanation today. And I'm very thankful to hear from my beloved brothers, um, Justin and Brother Nathaniel. So love out to Brother Robert. Uh, Much love from Brother Robert. You're on our minds and in our hearts, Brother. You and your loved ones and relatives. All praises to the Most High Almighty. Thank you all for being here. We can adjourn for today. We'll be back again next week. Shalom, shalom. Shalom, Brother. Shalom, Brother Justin. Shalom. Shalom, Brother. Thank you so much. I saw the contribution, brother, uh, Shedrick. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. You're welcome, brother. Well.